What is up, podcast fam? Welcome back to the Energy Exchange Podcast, where I sit down with some of the brightest minds in health and wellness and really extract knowledge, wisdom, so that you can implement these different practices and protocols into your life. And I really believe that life is an energy exchange. We're constantly giving, we're constantly receiving. And the more that we can create synchronicity with our energy exchanges, the more our lives will be fulfilled with joy, with abundance, with happiness. And especially with what's going on in the world right now, it's so important that we think outside the box and find ways to really connect with people virtually. And I really encourage you to think about your friends, your family, and see what you can do to exchange energy with those people. I'm so excited for us to be on this journey together. I genuinely appreciate you so much. And let's get in to today's show. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Energy Exchange Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am so excited. I have a huge treat for you today. I am sharing you the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge from the one and only Dr. Will Cole. And Dr. Will is a leading functional medicine expert. He consults people all around the world via webcam at drwillcole.com and locally in his office in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal dysfunctions, digestive disorders, and brain problems. Dr. Cole was named one of the top 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in the nation and is a health expert for Mind, Body, Green, and Goop. Dr. Cole is the author of the book, The Inflammation Spectrum, in which he explores how inflammation exists on a spectrum within the body, the various systems it can affect, and how you can discover your individual food triggers to overcome chronic inflammation. If that wasn't enough, he's also the author of Ketotarian, in which he melds together the powerful benefits of a ketogenic diet with a plant-based one. Dr. Will, welcome to the show, brother. I I need to start my whole day off with you just telling me all the stuff that I do and make myself feel better about my, (laughs) I'm never feeling down. I need you in my life. Can I be your can I be your hype man? <laughs> yeah. You're hired. Let's do it, bro. So so before we dive in, man, like how are you doing with everything going on in the world? I feel like you're probably being called to serve at an even higher level than you typically would be. Talk to me about these last few weeks and how conversations have been going with with your patients, uh, with your family, with your followers. Walk us through a little bit of that. Yeah, it is unprecedented times, right? It's it's unreal in many ways. It's it's amazing to me how fast 
society could change in a, in a, a few days, right? In, in a week's time, it could go from life as normal to a completely a different way of, of living. Um, so to me, I always actually... I'm, I'm getting some kickback on audio here. Yeah, I think we're okay. I'm getting a little bit from you. Can you well. can you hear that? I, I don't think that Instagram is letting me put down the volume the whole way. But I don't know what, we, what I should do. With Hold this. tight, fam. We're okay. gonna get this figured out. Give that a go. Yeah, I, I can hear myself a little bit from Instagram because it's but not letting me put the volume down the whole way. Hmm. Even if you, it's like keeping it at one, like one little, yeah. mm -hmm. and, you're, and you're hearing that as well. Yeah, I'm hearing it. And people are hearing the echo online too, I think. Crap. Okay. And it's not a way for me to mute it. Let's, uh, why don't we, why don't we, I'll end, should, what do you think I should do, end the live? I did this, I did this for over the weekend and it, and it went pretty smoothly, so maybe it is just a matter of the phone being a little bit away, I don't know, what do you want to... What do you think? Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. We, what we could do uh, is record on Zoom and do a little Instagram live afterwards. If you want to do it that way, okay. I mean, it's up to you. I'm up. I'm open to whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Let's do that. I'll just let them all know. Hey guys, just so there's a little echo, a little audio difficulty. So what we're going to do is, Doctor Cole and I, we're going to record the show. Okay, and and then from there. We're going to hop in an IG lot. So that's going to be at about 6 p.m. Eastern. So stay tuned. Tell your friends. We'll be back soon. All right. Much love. Appreciate you. Sorry about that. Sorry Tom. about that, man. I don't know what, what, maybe it was just a delay. No, don't be sorry, man. Don't be silly. Okay. So, so where were we? We were talking about the message. Exactly. The interesting times that we're in and, and really how you are serving the world in a powerful way in this moment. Yeah. So uh, times have changed very dramatically in a very short period of time for people. And uh, we've been doing what we are doing for the past 12 years at this point. Um, we started out as a virtual clinic where we see patients around the world via webcam consultations 12 years ago. So this is this telehealth webcam uh, access to functional medicine isn't new for us. So, so if anything, we've been preparing for a time like this for for over a decade. Um, and I just now more people need us. So yeah, I think the, the responsibility has been raised on us to provide access uh, to people who need us, people that need functional medicine. And I take my job as, as far as consulting patients very seriously. And to in me, if anything, it's just that responsibility has been raised <clears throat> dealing with people with with autoimmune issues and fatigue problems and hormonal problems that are now quarantined or socially isolated or um, you know don't, they don't have access to that um, that support that they need. Uh, so yeah, it is um, really important times I think for for us in wellness and specifically for us here as a clinic, we're taking that responsibility very seriously.
Love that, man. And what are you doing personally? Because obviously there's so much external stuff going on that we don't have control over. What are you doing to really make the most of this time for both you personally, your family, your business? Um, yeah, I think every day is a new, you know, every day things are evolving very rapidly as far as how this will play out. But, you know, I'm taking it a day at a day at a time. Uh, my team's uh, all, we're all taking proper precautions as far as um, what the CDC is recommending. Uh, as far as social distancing while providing the guidance for patients. And I think that's the the brilliant part for the way that we do the things we do. We don't always have to always be together. We can be as a team, sometimes remote, um, but still give people the access to care that they need. As far as my family's concerned, you know, my kids are homeschooled. So it's in many ways, their life hasn't been changed that much, but it's their extracurricular, the sports, the theater, the dancing, the um, basketball so all that stuff has been obviously put on pause for now so their schooling hasn't changed so we're used to that rhythm and my wife's amazing at that but it's the extracurricular stuff where they're getting we're just making them run around the house and get moving and <laughs> be active jump on the trampoline at home but it, it's definitely strange right it's uh, unprecedented but we're taking it a day at a time and uh, i really hope that the measures that we're taking as a nation will um shorten the the lifespan of this yeah for sure man and that's wild that you've been operating in this telehealth space you said for over a decade 12 years mm -hmm. so you're really ahead of the times in regards to this virtual setting and now companies like zoom and these are a couple of the companies that are really blowing up right now right yeah um, so i'm curious to know like how did you have that foresight to tap into the virtual space and what was it that really inspired you to do that well it's everything that i've, I've tried to do in my career and just as far as functional medicine is concerned is really an extension of staying in my lane and what i'm passionate about and what's authentic to me and for me like functional medicine's always been um something that i've lived and breathed and something that i'm really passionate about uh, and me speaking about it along like 11 years ago, 12 years ago online on, you know, whether that be YouTube or writing articles or social media, it was people in other states and countries that what I wrote or spoke about really resonated with them mm. in a time where there, you know, the Cleveland clinic didn't have a functional medicine center back then. Now they do. Uh, telehealth really wasn't a thing. Then there, it was, the space was a lot more, quiet. Uh, and then I was speaking about this new field of, or I shouldn't say new, but newer to people field of healthcare called functional medicine. So I think it was just the early days as far as the way that uh, online content, health content was, was made. A lot has changed over the past 12 years as far as that's concerned. So um, now it's just a little bit more commonplace, but still we have a long way to go as a field. I think we're still doing, we still have many, many of the much of the population still doesn't know about functional medicine. So we still have a long way to go, but it's definitely expanded a lot over the past 12 years. So it's really exciting to see. Uh, so it was no other reason other than me being passionate about it, me talking about it on an online setting and it resonating with other people in different states and countries that didn't have access to this. So we were providing that, that guidance, that functional medicine perspective on their case. And that's still what we're doing today. It really hasn't changed. I love it. And where did that, where you, you speak with such eloquence and passion when you talk about your craft, 
where did this passion originate from? What was it that really uh, brought this into existence? Yeah. So I grew up in a, a home uh, that was interested in wellness. So this is in the 80s and 90s and in rural Pennsylvania, by no means it's, it was not like the, the, the epi- it wasn't South Beach. It wasn't Abbott Kinney. It wasn't like Manhattan. It was still what it is today. Basically, it's basically the same all these years later, uh, where it's a lot of fast food chains and not the healthiest culturally. Uh, and, uh, but I was the kid drinking the weird adaptogenic tonics in the 90s and the, the raw goat's milk and the uh, whatever, the, the, all the organic stuff that you would find in the, in the health food store at that time. So that formed a lot of like, okay, how I saw the food industry and how, what food could do to impact someone's health and um, all that stuff. And I, saw the, I quickly saw going to school the difference between how I ate and other people ate. And it didn't come from a judgmental place or me looking down on them. It just, I noticed the difference of how it was culturally and just seeing it for what it was. And then that evolved to me as a teenager, changing my diet even more clean. And then um, that I knew I wanted to be formally trained in this. So it really has been just a part of my life for a long time. And it just evolved into not just a personal uh, interest or a fascination, a curiosity about the research and health and wellness, but a formal training in functional medicine. So I went to Southern California University of Health Sciences in Los Angeles, and then my postdoctorate education and training is in functional medicine and clinical nutrition. So I just, and my my personality is kind of obsessive with things, and uh, I, I really I part a lot of my job is education because. I have to take really um, obscure concepts or really like dense academic stuff and make it understandable to just everyday people, um, which I'm one too, but it's, it's a lot of stuff or this isn't their daytime job. My, my top patient base are just normal people that are like their school teachers and their engineers or their you know, truck drivers or the people that aren't in healthcare necessarily, even though we have a lot of nurses as patients and a lot of people in healthcare as patients, that's not all the patients. So I have to take that stuff and make it easy to understand. And I try to do that. Um, so um, that's, it's just something that when you do it every day for the past 12 years, you kind of get used to talking about this stuff. I'm trying to envision you in rural Pennsylvania, like going <laughs> to school with goat's milk, like all of these organic remedies. And I'm curious, like, did you ever try to exchange lunch with anyone or is like, were you all about it? Like, was that, you weren't no, about like the bagel bites, the gushers, the fruit roll-ups, you were all about the, the goat's milk. <laughs> so I, uh, it was a bit of, there are probably seasons of both. So I, for the most part, I just ate what I ate and it was like the sprouted, it evolved, right? And we're talking about the context of this is like the nineties idea of like healthy eating. So the access, the variety of foods that we had then is definitely not the access of foods that we have now, as far as the healthy options before it was like, this was the bread that you ate. It was, you didn't have almond flour bread or the cassava chip. You had like very specific things. So it was that iteration of sort of the nineties crunchy organic wave of what was in, in vogue at that point. So, um, 
there was times that I did that. And then times that I did, I'd go to my friend's house and they'd have sleepovers and I, I would have, um, you know, the, the regular pizza, but that wasn't something that I had as a regular. So I, I don't remember actually trading people lunches with people in hindsight. I mean, maybe I did. I don't remember that, but, uh, it was def- definitely when I wasn't home, I would have certain things that weren't healthy, but it wasn't my go-to thing. And even when I was eating it, I was like, Oh, this, is this really worth it as a kid? Like it tasted good, but I had decent options home too. Uh, and the eating junk food didn't make me feel good either. So it wasn't something that was a regular thing. Yeah, I love that. And I, I, also, I also heard a previous podcast that you did and you talked about the way that you're raising your kids, right? Mm-hmm. A big word that stood out to me was empowerment. Mm-hmm. Like you're not telling your kids, eat this, don't eat that you're kind of encouraging them to be curious and make their own decisions. So for any parents out there listening or soon to be parents, talk a little bit about how you approach your kids. Yeah, it's so important. I mean, we as parents, we know our kids. We should know our kids. If we don't learn, like really find out how they receive information, find out and be curious about how they how they operate as far as this this sort of information because you may learn as a parent you may take information different than your kids take in information um and learn how their heads work and how their hearts work uh, on that level because especially girls but i have a boy and a girl i have a son and a daughter uh, but especially daughters there's a lot of societal stigma and dogma and shame around food for guys it's honestly just as important but i think girls are up against more generally speaking, but guys, it's important to also have that tenderness and that awareness and consciousness to how you're even communicating about food. Cause it could be, I find a lot of guys, um, that there's that shame diet consciousness on them and they use that weaponize that against girls in many ways and, and use it to shame girls about food and wellness. And I'm better than you and this sort of superiority uh, complex. So it's actually for different reasons, important to approach it the same way for, for boys and girls, but it, it's really not about uh, a becoming obsessive and dogmatic and punitive and about, these are all the things you can't have, you know, and, and this is, sort of this, we're better than them. I just really feel like that's not good. That's really the opposite of why we're doing the things we're doing. We're supposed to be be better humans and more evolved and uh, more just compassionate. That's why we're doing all this stuff we're doing. And if, 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 you, if the end results, you're just a jerk and you're like a, a punk about food or you have a shame and orthorexia and disordered eating around food, those type of things are counterproductive. And honestly, I think it'd be better off for the person to just be eating the standard American diet at that point, because stress and shame isn't good around food. Uh, You're sabotaging all the good things you are eating. And same as this sort of toxic judgment view as well. So I feel like uh, there has to be a grace and lightness infused into parents' approach to food for the kids. And also, they should also apply that to themselves first so they can actually give what they have. Um, so I, that to me, it's like knowing how, making it age appropriate, making eating healthy, super fun, focus on all the things you k- get to eat and what a blessing like f- that you can go to these health food stores and buy this stuff where many of the world, they don't have access to this and to put all of that into perspective. Um, so I think that's, 
that that's at least what my wife and I try to do with our kids. That's amazing, bro. And, and, uh, and I think right now, now that you have families spending more time together than they ever have before, it's a great opportunity to cook as a family and to explore and experiment with new ingredients and new recipes. So, and I know you, I know you provide a lot of those in your, in your most recent book. Mm -hmm. So I encourage everyone and we'll link this in the show notes to check out Dr. Will's book. He has a lot of amazing recipes that are pretty easy to make and, and they're super, super energizing and healthy. Um, and I, and I've heard you say in the past that you can't heal a body that you hate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so powerful because so many of us, I would argue all of us have these little moments from our childhood, from our past, these traumas, these stories that we've been telling ourselves that really are just that they're stories and they're not true. And those thoughts and those emotions actually cause inflammation at a cellular level. And Mm -hmm. I'd love if you could talk a little bit about that, you know, how your thoughts, how your emotions, how your feelings affect your physiology. Yeah, so much. It's this bi-directional relationship between thoughts and emotions and our physiology and something that I've been talking a lot about in talking about the inflammation spectrum. My second book is that, you know, in the West, we like to separate mental health from physical health. But the reality is mental health is physical health. It's one and the same. Our brain is part of our body. But you have this bi-directional uh, relationship between thoughts and emotions and our physiology. So our thoughts and emotions influence physiology, but our physiology also influence thoughts and emotions. So mm-hmm. inflammation is this sort of component here because you have if you have imbalance in the body, if you have like an imbalanced gut microbiome or hormonal imbalances or different chronic infections that drive up inflammations, like some immune stressor, that's going to impact your thoughts and emotions. You're not going to feel good. You're going to feel irritable. You're going to feel depressed or anxious. You're going to have fatigue and brain fog. But conversely, if someone has a stressful life event, if they are in an unhealthy relationship, if they have a toxic work environment, if they aren't getting enough sleep and they're sort of dragging through the day, if they're, you know, go on and on, these situational things, that mental emotional stress will impact inflammation levels, will impact their gut health, will impact their hormones, will impact all these things. So we cannot just be so myopic and say, well, it's just this or just that. It's really, this is what functional medicine talks about. It's the confluence of these factors that are intertwined and are uh, uh, really the perfect storm of factors that make people feel the way that they do. So we have to look at both sides of it because you can't just eat super clean and expect it's going to solve all your problems. You have to deal with what you're serving your spirit, what you're serving your mind. What are your thoughts and emotions actually feeding your physiology? And that's, that's a component to health that you can't ignore. Mm. And for those of you not aware, you know, from my understanding, functional medicine is really just a holistic 360 approach where you actually are diving deeper into discovering the root cause of whatever your patient is experiencing rather than just going off a symptom and prescribing an over-the-counter drug, pill, or, or cream along those lines. So, so I definitely encourage you out there listening, like if you haven't 
had a visit or a consultation with a functional medicine practitioner, this is a whole new approach to medicine. And what I love, what I love about my experience with a functional medicine practitioner, my doctor here, Jared Mate, who you remind me a lot of, is that is that he he almost feels like a friend because when you're in your line of work, you really need to dive deeper with your patients and like see these stories that they're telling themselves, like, how is your life at home? What are these stressors that are adding to your inflammation levels? So talk about that and really the importance of building and cultivating these relationships. Yeah. I mean, the, the, in the inflammation spectrum, we talk about food and I explain how every food we eat either feeds inflammation or fights it. And the whole goal of, or should I say part of the goal of, of the book is to find out what your body loves as far as what foods calm inflammation for you, which is really important for any time, but really obviously more important now more than most people's like everyday life because supporting the immune system makes so much more sense to be at, to be advantageous, to take advantage of it, to mitigate risk factors. But on top of that, it's not just about food. We have all these non-food inflamers. So things like stress and sleep and the other one is social isolation. That's really important because many people, they are socially isolated in their normal everyday life and they're extra social isolated at a time like we're living in right now. So it's important that no matter whether it's a pandemic or no pandemic, it's really important to not be socially isolated. And we all have different personalities. Obviously, some people need some alone time and some refuel time. But even that personality is still needs social connection. Uh, and it's really important to have that on a friend level. But as a functional medicine practitioner, that's definitely a big part of my job is socially connecting to people because you can't just be, you know, throwing out facts and statistics and going over labs and, and you're talking to another human being. So that's that duality of functional medicine. And this can be applied to any field of, life, I guess, but specifically healthcare, but it's, it's the science and the art of it. You can't just have the logistics and the science and the data and getting to the root cause, all that stuff's good, but it's really almost meaningless if you don't have the art component of that balanced with the science component of it. So the art is the space in between words. It's listening to somebody, it's holding space for somebody. It's being empathic. It's, it's just being a human to human and, and that's a definitely a major component to my job and and it's also what i said earlier about as a dad like speaking to my kid the way that they receive information that's also applicable to my job as a functional medicine practitioner not everybody receives information the same way and you have to everybody has their own love language if you will or just how they receive that information and you can't just say the same words in the same way to everybody you have to really know that person enough to uh, allow this stuff to be digestible to be realistic to be practical for them to get to where they want to be and get those labs looking fantastic get them feeling fantastic so that's that's definitely a major component to what I do I love that and what are what are a couple a couple things. I love that you mentioned holding space, mm -hmm. right? And, and making people feel comfortable and sharing vulnerably and authentically is super important, especially when it comes to what both of us do. Um, what are maybe like a couple tips, not, not specifically for, 
for a doctor or a coach, but just for someone who's trying to deepen a connection with a friend or a partner, what are some questions they can ask or what are some things that we can do on a day-to-day basis? Mm. It's listening more than you're speaking. There's a time to speak, right? And you need to, especially if you're, you know, if we're talking about a friend to friend, like there's going to be time for you to give advice, you know, and if you are a coach or a functional medicine doctor, whatever you are, there's going to be time to lead and give advice. But in my experience, like to give the best advice, you need to like, listen, like double or triple the amount of time <laughs> to know, not only do you need to know what's going on, you need to know how that, what the, where they're at headspace wise, so you can be there for them in the way that they need. Because not everybody needs what you think that they need. You have to just be open-minded. And what I mean by holding space isn't just some fluffy Instagram thing. This is actually truly a practice that I feel like a lot of people aren't really good at. And they need to just be present in the present moment, be rooted in awareness of what this person needs. So if you're just talking about friend to friend, you need to know like how you can be, ver- be there for them in the way that they need which is not the same as being there for them in the way that you think that they need. So I think that that's really important and it's silence. It's sitting in silence. It's listening and being acutely aware of what's going on. And when I say the space in between words, it is something that's lost on a lot of us Westerners, but I think it's, it's, it's a practice that it's kind of feeling the residents of the room and, and it, 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 I talk to patients online, but there's still a resonance in that connection that you can kind of know as a deep knowingness to know how you can approach them. And that doesn't mean that I always get it right. It doesn't mean that anybody always gets it right, but it's just growing and practicing just like that. It's like when you work out, you build that muscle. It's the same thing with this. You're sort of building that mindfulness muscle and you have to get practice it for it to get strong. Uh, So that's something that's definitely something I put into practice on an hourly basis, talking to patients. Love that brother. Um, Yeah, that's so powerful. You know, we have, we have two ears and one mouth, so we should listen (laughs) twice as much as we talk. And I think that's a little cliche, but it's so true. And you could probably relate. I mean, for sure, doing what you do and also hosting a podcast and constantly just being in conversation with people. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so powerful when you can be locked in and present into every word they say. And for me as like a podcast host, I remember the first couple of times I was trying to follow a script. Like I want to make sure I hit this question and that question, but I wasn't, I wasn't fully immersed in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So sometimes my guests would like give me a bomb. Like they would give me like something really juicy and rather than improvising and and Mm -hmm. running with it, I would be so tied down to my script. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we approach conversations with an agenda. Mm -hmm. And, And I love, I love that approach that you have. So we have really just being okay with silence and listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah is the biggest takeaway I got from that. Yeah, and that's very healing too for people, especially if they're going through some real things. Like I'm, ta- I'm thinking about it from my standpoint of people going through real health problems and they wanna be directed, they want answers, but they also wanna be heard. And healing, he, he, hearing somebody and letting someone know that they're truly heard is healing. 
And that is uh, very cathartic and allow people to release things that they've been holding on to. And that's not even the purpose of the consultation that really the purpose of the consultation from my standpoint is to get like information and really, but it's, it's not just that it's also the beginning of sort of this bonding uh, friendship and collaboration that we have with our patients. We really love these people. And that, that sort of that process of understanding them begins at the consultation, but that principle can be applied to any aspect of life. Awesome. And I'm curious to know, before we dive a little bit deeper into inflammation, uh, I'm curious to know, man, like, because you do for sure have patients all over the world, like you said, and you've been doing this a while. So I'm sure you've created some systems. But right now I have clients in Melbourne, uh, the West Coast, London, like in all these different time zones. And I'm, and I'm doing my best to uh, adjust to this. So I'm wondering, you know, uh, in terms of your clientele, are they ranging like on all the different continents and all these different countries? And if so, how have you managed to uh, incorporate a schedule, keeping your sleep intact, keeping your family life intact? How have you managed to cultivate that balance? Yeah, so uh, our patient hours are pretty much all, it's all day. So I mean, our first patient's you know, 9 a.m. and then last patient, 6 p.m. So in the United States, uh, we have the the West Coast people. I'm on the East Coast time zone. So like whether that's Central Mountain or Pacific, that that's pretty easy. Like the three-hour time difference is no big deal. Um, the the Europe, we're talking about five, six hours from the East Coast. There, That's pretty easy too. I mean, within that time frame, we're, we're getting them in when in the waking hours it's really australia new zealand and asia that's the hardest ones and they're the ones that are either first appointment in the day for us uh or it's last thing in the evening for them so it's like at least somewhat uh they're either getting up early in the morning for the consultation which many people like like before their kids go off to school or before they go to work or it's uh, you know it, later in the evening, which some people like doing after work too for them. But uh, yeah, so that, that that's the other side of the the world's the hardest part of this, but we still fit it in for them throughout that day. Well, there you go. For anyone listening and watching right now, don't have any hesitation to contact Doctor Will because <laughs> his people will take care of you regardless of where you are in the globe. Yeah, um, certainly. Okay, Doc. Let's talk a little deeper about inflammation. And real quick, I know you have a spectrum because nothing's black or white. And I just want to kind of get your, get your feedback. You know, we have the lower side of the spectrum, which is more brain fog and fatigue, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So when I say inflammation spectrum, inflammation can be quite a nebulous term for people. Like, what the heck is that? They think maybe of joint pain or migraines or like aches and pains. But inflammation is so much more than that. Inflammation is the commonality between every health problem under the sun. I mean, talking about autoimmune problems, digestive problems, diabetes, cancer, heart disease, all of those are chronic inflammatory problems, even to pointed to something that's going on right now with COVID-19, the virus, it's what's, what's 
really killing people is the inflammatory response against the virus. It's not the virus itself. It's the inflammatory response of the lungs that's causing the viral pneumonia and the septus and, and all that, all these issues. So it's, it's the inflammation response. It's the abnormal inflammation response that's really problematic. And that's why people with underlying health problems, uh, people that are already going through other health complications that are more prone to the more extreme cases of COVID-19 is because their immune system's already imbalanced. And then you get a virus that sort of triggers this hyper-inflammatory response that ultimately can be fatal or at least very dangerous. So this is important to understand this from an everyday normal standpoint, but also from a pandemic standpoint, that inflammation by itself is not a bad thing. It fights viruses, it fights bacteria, it heals wounds. It's actually quite an important part of our immune system. The problem is inflammation out of, out of balance. It's that inflammation, forest fire, burning in perpetuity, that can be really problematic uh, for people. Uh, it can be deadly for people. And for many people, it's not going to be deadly per se, but it's going to really impact the quality of life. So it's really important for us to understand what that means because it's linked to just about every health problem to even earlier when I mentioned the mental health component of it with anxiety and depression and fatigue. Those are all inflammatory in nature according to the scientific literature. There's a whole field of research referred to as the, the cytokine model of cognitive function. Cytokines are pro-inflammatory cells. It's looking at how inflammation impacts mental health, impacts how our brain works. So the inflammation spectrum is this concept that I talk about in the book is, is explaining how inflammation exists on a continuum from, like you said, from low grade symptoms on one end, like mild fatigue, maybe some bloating, maybe some anxiousness on one end of the inflammation spectrum, all the way to the other end of the inflammation spectrum, which is the full blown autoimmune disease or mental health problem or metabolic issue, and then everything in between. So I start the book off with a quiz that's adapted from questions that I ask patients online, uh, but it's made you know more user-friendly for the reader to kind of see, okay, where am I at on the inflammation spectrum? And they, I go through the different sections of the inflammation spectrum. We talk about the gut and the brain and the hormones and the musculoskeletal system and the blood sugar regulation system and, and autoimmunity is a separate sort of component of the immune system and uh, something called polyinflammation or the interconnectedness of the body. For example, like inflammation in the gut can impact the inflammation of the brain, which can impact the inflammation of the hormones and how the body is so brilliantly interconnected. So that is... Um, the, the reader will be able to find out, okay, how high is my inflammation levels? Again, this isn't a lab, but this is a subjective way for us to gauge more or less where inflammation levels are at. And then not only how, where the, they're at, but also what areas are the most problematic for people. Because mm -hmm. for some person, the inflammation is going to be more of a problematic in the gut. For other person, maybe it's more of a hormonal problem or a neurological issue. So it's enabling people to really fine tune their journey because from then on out, based on their quiz score, they're going to be able to know what foods to focus on, what food plan is going to be more appropriate for them, what other lifestyle changes is most appropriate for them, which is such a major tenet of functional medicine. It's, it's tailored healthcare. It's not just this one size fits all approach. It's really taking that person and saying, how can I meet you where you're at, not just from a life standpoint, but also what's clinically relevant for you to really lean into this stuff. What up fam? Sorry to interrupt today's show, but this is really important to me because when I was a kid, my grandpa thought 
Alzheimer's. And I remember visiting him in Atlanta, Georgia, and he no longer remembered my name. And this experience really resonated with me. From that point forward, I knew I was going to do everything in my power to preserve my brain health, my cognition, my focus, my memory. And that's why these shrooms are so powerful because they're all fruiting body extracts designed, designed to really boost your memory, cognition, focus, while also improving your immunity. And the beta-glucans that are in there are what really drive your white blood cell count up and support a strong immune system. So whether this is for you, your parent, your grandparent, I really encourage you to take action and prioritize your brain health. And for a limited time, I have a super special offer for you. When you get the ultimate shrooms, you get a free ultimate elixir. Yes, you get a free ultimate elixir. This is 25 organic superfoods and adaptogens designed to aid your metabolism, your digestion, and create an alkaline and detoxified body. There's no more powerful way to start your day than with the ultimate elixir and the ultimate shrooms. So check this out. Go to liveultimate.com slash podcast slash live healthy and you're going to get both of them for the price of one okay it's time to make that commitment to your health make that commitment to your wellness go to liveultimate.com slash podcast slash live healthy and now let's get back to the show wow that's that's so powerful and and like you said before when we were talking I think something that you have that's really a gift is being able to disseminate and break down this information in a way that people can understand. Uh, as the son of a doctor, I've been on, I've been in a room when my dad's having conversations and I'm just like in another galaxy. I'm like, pops, like what language are you speaking? Mm-hmm. And I think that's beautiful that, that you found a way to really distribute this information in such a powerful way that so many people are going to be able to get value from. And I'm, I'm planning on using that questionnaire with some of the clients I'm working on, because again, I know it works. The results don't lie. What you've been able to do in your body of work speaks for itself. Um, you, you did mention things like brain fog and fatigue. And I think it's so important to identify and communicate like, you don't need to be feeling these things. And, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, a lot of people are accepting these as normal. Mm-hmm. And I see it all the time. People are like, dude, how do you have such good energy? I'm like, man, it's, it, it's really just by taking care of the basics mm-hmm. and, and making sure that I'm being consistent with movement, nutrition, sleep. Um, and, and we coming back to the empowering idea, like empowering people like, you're not stuck with how you are now. You can feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really true. I think it's a, it's that's it's shifting the paradigm because I think there's a lot of um, heaviness uh, around wellness where people think it's like this arduous, punitive thing where I have to go on a diet or I have to go work out, and it's like I hate all this stuff. And it's coming from such a negative headspace that I think shifting your perspective to like no. Like, wow, like, look at all the awesome things that I get to eat to fuel my body. Look, I have, what, what an awesome blessing is to like move my body, um, even when I don't want to, because um, 
moving through that, I don't feel like it really on the other side of it, you'll feel so much better that you did move. So it's sort of the breaking that old stigma and paradigm that I think uh, isn't serving people well, because there's only, you, there's a, it's only so long that we can as humans stress and strive and obsess our way into wellness. It's not going to be sustainable. So like I mentioned earlier, there has to be a grace and a lightness and a joy through all of these things. Because from that will flow sustainable wellness because it won't be coming from a place of like, oh, this sort of annoying thing that I'm gritting my teeth just to get through. But it's really just a ripple effect, an outer extension, a manifestation of Mm -hmm. you valuing the awesome things that you get to do in this life. And um, something that I say a lot is, you know, self-care is a form of self-respect. And that is true. Like if you truly value the awesome creation that you are, how is that going to impact the foods that you eat? How's that going to impact the movement that you do? How's that going to impact how you spend your time? Because a lot of people see themselves as just this old junk car that's beat up, that's that's not taking care of. They don't see themselves as like a priceless whatever, Tesla or BMW or as high-end car. And they need to see themselves as the valuable creation that they are because that will be the, um, from that will emanate sustainable wellness. So to me, you have to get your head and your heart right first. And people are just, they're not coming from that space. Mm, that's really powerful. Self-care is self-respect. I love yeah. that. And it's like, there's no better way to show yourself the love, the respect, the care that you need than by really making sure you are taking care of these things, especially right now. And and there's no better time, especially for those people who might be executives, they might be high level entrepreneurs who are go, go, go. And their biggest limiting factor is, oh, I don't have enough time. Well, guess what, bro? Like you're chilling at home right now and I know you're still getting shit done, but like you just have a little more time on your hands now. And, and I, I really hope people use this time to maximize that and purify their priorities and, and optimize their wellness. Doc, I'm curious to know, uh, selfish question, um, in terms of movement, what does like your daily movement practice look like? And then also, do you have kind of a prescription that you give to your clients? So my daily, I like to keep things fresh because I don't like to get bored with things or I don't like to make it, again, going back to that thing. If I'm starting to really dread something, I need to mix it up. Like, why am I even doing this? If, if it's like a pain, just get through it. So I mix up different high-intensity interval training circuits. And I have a Peloton bike that I really like. I like just going out in nature and moving and hiking and being out in nature. I like walking with my kids, riding bikes with them. So it's just sort of a mixture of making movement fun, engaging, making sure that I'm sweating um, most of the days of the week, at least once, one time a day. Um, So that's typically what my workout routine, movement routine looks like throughout the week. Um, so yeah, that, that's, and as far as prescription is concerned for myself, that's what I do. But for my patients, it's just a matter of where they're at. You know, what, what are they able to do? What do the labs say? I have some patients that 
have things like MS where they're not able to do the things that necessarily that somebody else can do. So it's about tailoring even those movement practices to where they're at at that journey. And obviously as they're getting healthier, as they get regain function, as they gain strength, they, they're, what they do months down the line is not going to be what they can do at the beginning. So it's evolving that based on their improvements, their health improvements. Yeah, that, that, that's really valuable. And I think the thing that you mentioned about going out in nature with your kids, finding fun, creative ways to move, you're crossing off so many boxes by doing that. Yeah. Right? Like you're getting outside, whether it's sunny or not, like you're still getting fresh air. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting that oxygen in your blood and your brain. You're moving your body. You're generating blood flow. You're spending time with your loved ones. Like it, that is something that for me is just so simple yet has an incredibly high return on investment. Oh yeah. So, so much. And a lot of that stuff's free. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, they don't have to be, you know, you, you can, people can do this really affordably accessibly. Uh, and there's really no excuses. I, I've heard every excuse under the sun over the years for people. And really that it's I'm not saying everybody has all the time in the world, but we make time for things that are important for us. That's just the reality of it is the amount of time that we as humans spend on things that really are meaningless or things that are really a waste of time. We, we don't ever complain. We don't have enough time for that, but it's, it's, it's really just about prioritization and then doing the best you can with that priority. Amazing. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, I was actually talking to Dr. Mary Pardee. I don't know if you know her. She's based in LA. I don't know. I know. Um, anyways, she, she's awesome. And I was thinking it would be cool. Like I'd love to lead you, maybe your kids as well through like some animal flow, some fun body weight movements, you know, a 20 minute session, maybe next week. That'd be fun. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Yeah. It'd be great. So, so Doc, we're going to dive, we're going to dive into like some solutions for, for these inflammation markers, but I know you mentioned that inflammation is also needed, right? Like every time we work out, we are inflaming our muscles essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, talk a little bit more about examples of good inflammation. Yeah. So when you have proper inflammation response, like an acute inflammatory response specific to a viral infection, that's good. You want your immune system to send white blood cells, send cytokines to kill off the infection. Work out another good approach to that. Another good example of inflammation imbalance. So you have inflammation that comes up and then goes back down. Same with infections, comes up, comes back down. Problems happen and occur when there's a lack of that Goldilocks principle, not too high, not too low, but just right. And just right when you need it. So the problem with like things out of balance, where is just like with autoimmunity, when that immune system flares up and doesn't come back down, starts attacking parts of your body or inflammation that comes up uh, with viral infections that can trigger problems in the body. It's, it's, it's causing a cascade of inflammation that doesn't calm back down that abnormal inappropriate response. That's a problem uh, where the immune system loses its sense of self and starts attacking certain parts of the body. That's inflammation out of balance, but in check inflammation is needed for human existence. Uh, We just want homeostasis. We want balanced aspects of inflammation. Got it. So I want to go over like a couple things that are kind of controversial or hot topics 
you know, I know again, like I, I mentioned to you earlier, I know you are asked a lot of the same questions and, and I know that's your passion to speak about those things, but I also want to spice things up and like, sure. and like provide like some new, new things for you. But you mentioned, you mentioned white blood cells. Um, and one of the things that I've really been implementing every day and implemented with my clients, my parents, you know, is, is this live ultimate, ultimate shroom blend, which is basically eight different fruiting body mushrooms that have all of those beta glucans mm-hmm. and they drive the white blood cell count up, right. And really boost your immunity. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm really encouraging people to hop on, especially right now. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, the benefits of some of these adaptogens, these medicinal mushrooms, along with other things that would be beneficial uh, to boost your white blood cell count and immunity. Yeah. So the, I, I love the research around adaptogenic mushrooms like reishi and chaga and lion's mane and the beta glucans is the main sort of component in them. And you can get beta glucan from things like saccharomyces and like different beneficial yeasts as well. Um, but there it's an amino modulator. It helps to modulate your immune system in a beneficial way. It's been just some exciting studies showing uh, the benefits of adaptogenic mushrooms specific with when the beta glucan is standardized to therapeutic dosages, as well as uh, beta glucan just as a standalone supplement is extracted from something else. Um, so definitely that is a, a great tool to use. I'm a fan of adaptogens as a general component too, from a stress modu- modulation standpoint, because not just from an immune standpoint, but many people are stressed and anxious. So adaptogens tend to have a stress balancing, cortisol balancing, inflammation balancing uh, component to them as well, not just an immunomodulating uh, uh, health as well. So things like uh, lion's mane or chaga, these adaptogenic mushrooms, not only will help the immune system, but can help your stress response as well, support healthy stress levels, uh, help have a sense of calm and well-being as well. Uh, and then these non-mushroom uh, adaptogens as well, things like holy basil, tulsi, uh, ashwagandha, rhodiola, um, these other adaptogens that are out there also have a balancing, calming effect on the body. They don't, nec- they don't have the beta-glucans like the mushrooms do, but they still ha- help from a stress and anxiety support standpoint. Mm. All cool stuff. And then uh, I love uh, other things that I feel like um, have some promising research around it uh, as far as the immune system or a lot of the basic stuff that you kind of know from a vitamin standpoint, but specifically the studies surrounding uh, viral replication and having specific antiviral aspects to it or stimulating and supporting your own your body's own endogenous natural antiviral pathways things like vitamin c some exciting stuff coming out of new york right now at this point the epicenter of covid19 outbreak in the united states in specifically iv treatment of vitamin c in combination with other things like medications but that's for the more life-threatening cases but then these mild to moderate cases iv vitamin c's really promising. Obviously, this is really um, field medicine in many ways where it's the, it's wartime and, and doctors are kind of learning as they go, different protocols are going to work. But I think as time goes on, they're going to see, okay, whoa, this is beneficial. And that's what, hap- that, that's what happened in uh, 1918, you know, during the Spanish flu pandemic. Doctors were learning as they go and they were kind of finding things that worked and didn't work. So vi- vitamin C, 
you wouldn't have IV vitamin C necessarily if you're just general preventative standpoint, but uh, oral vitamin C can be beneficial to support a healthy immune system there. Zinc and its ability to decrease viral replication. Um, vitamin D works on these specific pathways. That vitamin D deficiency seems to be in some studies to show uh, make, making people more prone to viral infections, vitamin D, D deficiency. So one way to prevent that and to mitigate risk factors for viruses is having optimal vitamin D levels, which we want in functional medicine to be about 60 to 100, depending on the case. You could just be 60 to 80 to be a little bit more you know, moderate there. But most people are deficient. Even if they live in Miami, I see a lot of people in Miami still have vitamin D deficiency. So it's something that um, taking around 5,000 IUs of D3, I like pairing it with vitamin K2, which is another fat-soluble vitamin that you need for a healthy immune system. And it's also very deficient in the modern Westerner. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so D I said all the main core ones and then some like non-supplement stuff, it's getting out in the sun. Like we've been talking about getting out in the fresh air, like post the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, uh, there was studies done to show why in 1918 people were getting better when they were being treated outside or they spending time outside or when they were spending time in the sun while well, they were actually looking at this thing what they refer to as the open air factor the government actually studied this and how the fresh air acted as a disinfectant decreasing viral replication uh and also vitamin d you get it from the, the sunlight it's, it's the sunshine vitamin so you're getting all the you know the the immune pathway benefits of vitamin D being in the sun, but also it's been shown that sunlight helps to, to re-regulate your circadian rhythm, which is needed for your body's inflammatory response to have a healthy inflammation response against the virus. So it balances inflammation basically. So all this cool stuff that you can do just very easily to start to support a healthy immune system. Again, this is all predicated on the fact that you're eating clean foods, nutrient dense foods, which you're going to, you have to have that as your foundation. Right. All these things are targeted things that you can do specifically to the virus. I, not to be super long winded about this, but sauna therapy too. I've seen some exciting studies showing how sauna can uh, stimulate your own heat shocking proteins to help support these antiviral pathways in the body. So much cool stuff. All of this is really emerging as its relationship specific to COVID-19, but very low risk factor. Uh, there's really no side effects to these things. Just doing them safely, logically, uh, the, things, the way that they're prescribed and recommended, really safe stuff to support a healthy immune system. And again, all of this is predicated on being smart, doing what the CDC is saying as far as social distancing, washing your hands, all that stuff we should be doing anyways. But in addition to that, these are some cool ideas. Wow. Doc, so many knowledge bombs in that clip. Uh, uh, question, just for references for everyone listening, do you have an area, a resource page on your website that has these type of recommendations? Like Because I, I haven't heard about that, um, that stack with the vitamin D and the K2. Mm -hmm. Is that some, do you have a, a page on your site that we can maybe reference? Yeah. If you use the search option on drwillcole.com and just type in vitamin D, vitamin DK2, yeah, I've written about it over the years for sure. Okay. And do you, do you maybe have like an Amazon page that links to all of like the products you recommend or not? Uh, not, well, a lot of those core things we have 
on our website. You can just go to drwillcole.com and click the shop. Most of that stuff, we have some core foundational stuff. People asked us over the years, okay, what are some basic things that I need to do to support my health uh, or my immune system? And a lot of that stuff's on the website. Uh, and then we do have a brands we love page too uh, on the shop as well. So not necessarily things that we carry, but things of brands that have cool things out there. So you can look at both of those uh, awesome. at drwillcole.com. Perfect. Yeah, we'll definitely reference that. Um, Doc, I'm curious to know, you know, with everything going on right now, what do you what do you think the medical field, like the medical platform is going to look like? Do you think this is really the beginning, I guess, like the next evolution to telemedicine? Uh, what do you think it's going to look like after this? Yeah, I do think it is. And I think that it's accelerated it. We were, we've always been doing what we're doing. This is nothing new for us. And there are many people over the past decade that have been doing online telehealth, uh, but it's accelerated it out of necessity now. So it's going to be definitely more commonplace. It's definitely going to be more part of a culture born out of this necessity. It definitely is going to be a turning point, not just with that, but many aspects of our life. Because look what we've done as a society. It's quite remarkable. We went to, yes, we all use the internet. Yes, this is a common part of life, but we did this sort of hybrid thing. We've shifted the way that we've done things overnight, basically. Uh, and I think there's going to be definitely emerging. I, I'm, it's in a way kind of exciting to see over the coming months and years how we rebound from this and take what we've learned through this time to do life better, hopefully um, not just in healthcare, but other industries as well. Yeah. It, it really is going to be a unique shift that we mm -hmm. see. It's going to, I really, you know, one of the things I'm passionate about is other health practitioners, dietitians, nutritionists, yoga teachers who are so dependent on their physical presence to generate income. And this is something that I've been telling my friends in that space for a while is like, listen, like, I don't want you to depend on this because what happens if you're sick? What happens when you want to travel? Right. So it's really an opportunity for people in all industries, but especially those who right now, their physical presence is what brings them income, whether that's teaching mm -hmm. classes or meeting with clients face to face. So yeah. use this time to experiment and try new things and see what works most effectively. Yeah. Oh, well said. Um, Doc, so curious to know, uh, because we talk about healthy fats, the importance of having sufficient balance with our omega-3s, our omega-6 fatty acids, foods like, you know, wild-caught salmon, extra virgin olive oil, um, and pasture-raised eggs. And I know there's people that don't respond well to eggs. And I know that's kind of part of things that you'll discover with your questionnaire. Um, I'm sure you're probably familiar with medical medium, right? Mm -hmm. He said that yeah, I've heard him in like interviews and he says literally like the most toxic food, because I'm a huge fan of pasture-raised eggs. Mm -hmm. And most people that I look up to and, and respect in the industry, uh, they're the same way. He says that eggs are like one of the most toxic foods that humans can eat. And I'm just kind of curious, like, no, I, I haven't found anyone that really has that same mm -hmm. opinion about eggs. I was just wondering if you had anything to say about that. 
Yeah. You know, he is a friend of a friend. I have medical medium, Anthony Williams. He's a friend of Alejandro Younger, a mutual friend of ours. So I don't have anything personally against him at all. And I, he's, he does a lot of good things. He's getting people to eat more whole foods and real foods. So I really am not going to say anything bad about that. But I would, what I would say from a functional medicine perspective, which is the only perspective I can give here, is there really is no research to show that at all. Uh, he comes from a place where he has the ability to say, spirit told him this. I just don't have that ability. So I have to say, okay, look, as far as the research is concerned, as far as me seeing someone's labs and measuring that on a lab, seeing how to use that as a food medicine, just looking at the, at the nutrient density of that food, as far as the choline is concerned, the healthy omega fats are concerned, the B vitamins that are concerned, the uh, protein that is concerned. Yes, the, all that stuff can be great food medicine. And I think eggs can work wondrous for many people, but... Some people, as I talk about in the inflammation spectrum, have sensitivity to egg whites, do have reactions from eggs. Some people have very significant reactions to eggs. But my job as a functional medicine practitioner is to find out what your body loves. So instead of making too many broad sweeping overgeneralized statements and saying this is bad for everybody is oversimplistic. Yes, it is a problem for some people and some people shouldn't be eating eggs, but some people it's completely fine. Uh, so I think context matters. And it's not just the medical medium that says stuff like that. There's a lot of people in the ultra vegan community that would say very strong statements like that about eggs as well. They've compared eating eggs to smoking. You've hear it on these films, like what the health they've made a lot of very bold statements and they're taking data research and they're pulling it out of context. And then they're, they're, they're saying that statement, but again, context matters. That's really uh, not reality. It can be a great nu nutritious, uh, nutrient dense food for some people. Yes. Some people have egg sensitivities. Yes. Should, you should diversify your protein and fat intake. You shouldn't just be eating eggs all day, every day, but it can be a part of a balanced, healthy diet for many people. Got it. Thanks for, thanks for providing some clarity there. Yeah. Last thing about eggs, just because it really bothers me when I go into like a, a healthy restaurant and, and I see like the egg white omelets mm. and, and this idea that, you know, the yolks, because they have cholesterol is going to cause heart disease and people are still operating from that paradigm. Now I realize exactly what you said before that there are some people who have elevated cholesterol, um, maybe their family, they have a history of that and they should stay away from yolks. But for the most part, like, can you clear that up as well? Yeah, and I would say too, total cholesterol by itself is a pretty poor predictor for assessing cardiovascular risk factors. So it's more of the inflammation of the particles that carry cholesterol that's a problem and they should run an NMR test to look at their subfractionation of particles. Um, so yeah, the... There are people that have gene SNPs, gene variants that like the ApoE44, the ApoE34 that are basically their body doesn't metabolize saturated fats as, as well as other people. They should limit their saturated fat. It's also important to know that yolks are not just saturated fat. There's a lot of monounsaturated fats in there too. Uh, it's it, just like any whole food, pretty much most of them are not just one thing. Like grass-fed beef, it's not just saturated fat. It can have higher levels of saturated fat than other types of fat, but it still has other monounsaturated fats as well. So I think that 
Yes, there's without a doubt, some people should limit their saturated fat intake. I talk about this in the inflammation spectrum with these gene variants that just because something's healthy, quote unquote, or just because something works for one person doesn't necessarily mean it's right for you. So things like coconut oil, certain people shouldn't be having lots of it. Uh, Same with like lots of red meat. Some people shouldn't be having lots of it. Uh, They want to diversify it, maybe focus on things like wild caught fish instead, maybe some soap nuts and seeds, maybe some, you know, uh, different varieties of protein and not just red meat all day, every day. Uh, But it's the quality of the meat that you're talking about too. So it's definitely a a nuanced conversation. uh, And, but it's one that when I see a patient for who they are, I look at their labs, look at the context of the case, I can say, okay, look, let's lean into the way, the way that I'm seeing these things. We can lean into a certain protocol and then test and measure it and track their improvements on labs. And the labs aren't lying. They can actually see these things improve and see their quality of life improve as, as far as how they feel too. So there's a real little room for ambiguity or, you know, uh, people in the health space that like to pontificate all these studies and like sort of demonize people or make these broad sweeping statements. The reality is, unless you're looking at people's labs and really tracking the labs on an individual basis, the rest of it's just opinion, really, because yeah. it's like you have to look at what's actually improving these people's lives. A lot of uh, what I've noticed with the functional medicine doctors that I speak to is like there's not a lot of dogma, right? Yeah, they, there's not. They're really you're doing your best to dissect each patient, each patient's circumstances and do really uh, detailed responses and and, and figure out exactly what it is that's going to help that person. So if you guys notice, like Dr. Cole is is rarely going to give you like absolute answers, Mm -hmm. you know, unless it's something like smoking or drinking alcohol, right? Like my guess is those things aren't going to be beneficial for anyone. Maybe the, maybe the glass of red wine, you know, uh, it might be, might be helpful, but for the most part, those things are absolute and, and I'm sure there's more that we could dive into too. But, but guys, um, I really do want to respect Dr. Will's time. And I know he could go for hours speaking about these things. So I really encourage you to check out all of his socials. He has a bunch of great content on YouTube, Facebook too, right? Instagram, yeah. uh, his two books, The Ketotarian, The Inflammation Spectrum, which we'll both link to. I'm going to actually add both of those to my Amazon store. So if you're using that already to get some supplements or, or different things around the house, make sure to check out the books because I'm going to add some new additions there. And Doc, I want to do a quick little rapid fire with you. Is that cool? Sure. Yeah. What is Dr. Dr. Will Cole's uh, biggest pet peeve? <laughs> Uh, that's my pet peeve. Um, uh, internet trolls, maybe man, man. <laughs> it's probably my biggest pet peeve. And what's usually your response to those people? I don't engage with them. They're already triggered. I don't need to further trigger triggered people. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a really important note just to segue and interrupt myself, but you know, people who are coming at you and throwing shade and without even knowing you think about what that person might be experiencing in their life. If they're hating on you or, or saying cruel words to a stranger, like they're mm-hmm. consume, they're wasting their own energy and time to do that. So think about and have some compassion for anyone who is doing that. Um, 
And I think that response is probably honestly the best option in yeah. that scenario. Uh, what would you say is one word to describe you as a father? Hmm. Huh. I would say one word to describe as a That's a good question. I would say open one word. I would say evolving. I, I'm, they're teaching me so much. So I would say evolving. I love that. What's yeah. the biggest lesson that you've learned from your kids in the last year? Be more present, which is a good lesson for all of us, but it's definitely an act of present moment awareness. I love that. What is one thing that you are going to uh, maybe try or practice or get better at this next month of quarantine? We found out it's official. It's going to last the month of April. So what mm -hmm. is one thing that you're committed to, uh, committed to adding to your days? It's funny that my days haven't changed very much. Being in healthcare, we're still here consulting patients. So my schedule is still very busy, uh, which I'm thankful for. Obviously, people, you know, I am very thankful for that. Um, but, you know, let's just say the weekends, right? Because I can't go anywhere on the weekends. I just have to stay at home. The, uh, I would say... It, and this isn't just a cop-out answer. This is, I'm really excited to spend more time with my kids. So I, I'm not traveling. I don't have to speak on the weekends. I, again, I love that part of my job, but it's really cool to have like nothing to do on the weekends. So I'm really pumped about that. I'm sure your kids are super stoked about that. They are, they are. And then lastly, what is one place that you are looking forward to traveling to after you are cleared to do so? What is one place that you want to visit? Well, I'm supposed to go. I love. I, sp I speak at. I spoke at the Grand Grand in Grand Cayman last year. I really loved this event, and I I'm really excited to go back to that if that event is back on. I don't. Who knows? Everything's up in the air. And in uh, Chile, in South America, I'm supposed to speak speak at an event down there, which I've never been there before. So somewhere I haven't been. Tell me about this this event in Grand Cayman. When is it, and what is it? It is in the fall time. I don't know exactly when it's going to be, but it's came and rejuvenate is what they call it. Yeah. That sounds sweet. And then, and then is it in Santiago, Chile? I think so. Yeah. Let's go, Dr. Will. <laughs> hey man. But, but I think that's amazing for people like you to expand your reach into South America to Central America. And I went to a Joe Dispenza uh, weekend workshop in Bogota, Colombia two months ago. And, and it was so cool to see, you know, he doesn't speak Spanish and they had, you know, the different headphones and translators, but it was so cool to see, you know, that part of the world getting access to that type of information. So, so I'm, I'm super, super stoked that we had the opportunity to do this, man. Yeah. And, and, uh, and are, are you cool with still hopping on like a five minute live? I have to, I, uh, five minutes is fine. I have to get my son on my, I'm supposed to leave probably like right after six, but, um, I don't know if you want, we can have more time if we reschedule another day. Okay. Um, yeah, it's totally up to you, but my wife texted me right before we got on the call that I have to pick my son up at her sister. best for you, doc. I don't want to cut into family time. Okay, uh -huh. let, let's just pick another day. We'll have more time. It's not rushed. And um, if that works for you. Yeah, we'll make that happen, brother. And real quick, just let, uh, let everyone know where they can. I, we're going to link it all. We spoke a little bit about it. But where can people connect with you? Where can they book a consultation with you? 
Yeah, thank you so much. Everything's at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And they can we offer a free webcam or phone health evaluation there. There's lots of video classes, lots of free content on there for people to learn more about functional medicine. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for continuing to shine your light so bright when the world needs it most, brother. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you and the kind words and we to do this again. Absolutely, man. We'll be in touch and take it easy, Doc. Enjoy your fam. Keep evolving as a dad and keep being present. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Peace. Podcast fam, thank you so much for listening until the end of the show. Your energy genuinely means the world. And the best way for me to continue improving this experience is for you to leave a review. Let me know what your biggest takeaway was from today's show. It genuinely means the world to me to get your feedback so I can continue evolving this experience. Your word of mouth is my oxygen. Thank you so much for tuning in and I can't wait for next episode.